Favorite body part, Derek McCaw. Yeah, again, remember what I said? Whatever happens, it's, my it's fault. your fault. What? This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting from Elusive Comics and Games, two seven two five El Camino Real, Suite one hundred four, in Santa Clara, California. Lon is apparently foregoing dinner with us this evening after the podcast. I didn't say that. Stopped him. Well, I, I didn't say that. It now that you've done that, I'm just drinking a drink. We are podcasting on February Wednesday, February 23rd, and here we At are. At elusive comics and games. I already said that. No, he didn't. I did. Did he? Check, check the, the tape. tape. Check the tape. Just, Stephanie, check the tape. Saying, Stephanie's not here. She's listening from home. That's from the home office. From the home office in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You guys keep this up because it's comedy (laughs) gold. (laughs) Well, (laughs) comedy brass. All right. So, uh, anyway, of course, uh, to my right is uh, grade three sandpaper. Lawn, brass in pocket, Lopez. Uh, Okay. And across, the man I'm holding responsible for everything tonight. Professional scapegoat, Rick Mm -hmm. Snyder. That's good. And moral compass. Oh, that's right. And moral compass. Well, I think it all goes hand in hand. Scapegoat pays better. And moral ingenue. Ingenue? Yeah, I just, just learn that word. Kinda, yeah. Because <laughs> I look across the table, I do not see ingenue. I, I don't. He's a Maya ingenue. Oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> He's a Maya ingenue. Now we're being very lighthearted, and I'm going to have to bring it down. We got some comics news, we got some movie news, we got some TV news, but the biggest news of the week ouch. Uh, is an ouch. Yeah, it's a sudden, a sudden, completely unexpected. I don't know if you ever really expect them, but an unexpected loss in both the comics and animation community and. And uh, just uh, just a great, uh, really kind of an unsung until this week, um, giant. Timing. Yeah, um, Dwayne McDuffie uh, died at the age of forty nine. <laughs> I think it depended on which report you read. No one seemed, could seem to get that straight as of this recording. Uh, whether he was sixty three, whether he was born in nineteen sixty three or nineteen sixty one. Uh, but died of of complications due to s- surgery. Don't even know if it was major surgery or minor surgery. They said post surgical complications. Okay. Um, so uh, yes, the strange thing is that this news breaks on, broke on the day that uh, a crowning achievement, his screenplay adaptation of All Star Superman, uh, the great Gra- uh, Grant Morrison Frank Whiteley graphic novel, uh, was released. Uh, yes, in fact, uh, Rick has his copy here, so we can just go ooh and ah. Uh, Pretty. And, and we'll be talking about that, uh, about the DVD, a little later in the podcast. But uh, aside uh, from that as, a, as an interesting capstone, uh, Dwayne McDuffie was an editor at Marvel Comics in the late 80s, early 90s. Definitely um, you know, broke the mold and, and pushed the envelope with some series, including what a lot of people have been talking today after the Grim and Gritty Watchmen and uh, Dark Knight Returns. Pushing what the superhero comic book could tell was uh, 
Dwayne McDuffie wrote Damage Control, creating the, uh, the not super team, the team of regular Joes whose job it was to clean up, up after all the superheroes and supervillains had clashed in New York City for Marvel Comics. I wouldn't be surprised if we, saw, if we saw a good, um, a, a good collection of that coming from Marvel soon. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of whether it's just timing and in memoriam, it's a really good miniseries, as I recall. Uh, but then he went over to D.C., yeah, the, the the plot the the simple plot doesn't give it credit. I mean, no, it's it was much, a much very funny book, very clever book, uh, and then he went over to DC and created uh, co-created with uh, Dennis Cohen. Uh, I can't think of Icon many Milestone. Other, so, uh, was he created Milestone Comics, uh, which was an effort to, uh, I guess, you say enlarge the presence of uh, of minority characters in comics. Mostly black, though, right? Uh, Hispanic, and Hispanic too. too, and oh, okay. Asian. Basically, it was finally it was finally creating uh, ethnic characters that weren't named after the color, the color black. <laughs> yeah, so you had um, Icon, which is one of my favorites out of that. I I bought all of the Icon, but it was the Superman analog. I don't want to say the Superman analog, but he was yeah. um, kind of uh, Icon and Rocket, or Captain Marvel analog. Icon he didn't wasn't. create Static, did he? He did, he did. create oh, Static, okay. and uh, which Brick House, uh, Brick House from uh, what was the name of the group? The Blood uh, Syndicate. Blood Syndicate, yeah, yeah. Uh, zombie, which uh, yeah. DC has been is going to be reviving this year. <laughs> Ironic, yes, X O M B I, a oh. character who is oh. in Lon's favorite plot point. Uh, before they were trendy, was a character infected by nanobots that makes him now uh, mystical, mystically immortal, uh, or magically delicious. That could be. That was the Lucky Charms miniseries. Mm, okay. uh, very much. What was uh, the Iron Man analog? Hardware. Hardware, right? That's right. And uh, Static was uh, the character out of there to actually get an animated series from 2000 to 2004 on the confused. WB. Or Static Shock. Yeah, was he yeah. originally Static he was, Shock? He, or he was no. called Static, but they called the series Static, static Shock. shock right. yeah. on, on the series, though, they just called him Static. He, yeah, I don't think I think it was just a way to like, go, hey, you're getting the Static, static shock, shock, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as pointed out, here's a guy... Pushing, pushing, and and complaining, but in a in a good humored way, trying to work within the system to expand minority presence. Um, and in that entire time, Milestone had been canceled. He gets a Saturday morning cartoon. DC did not do a static tie-in comic book to go in with this very popular animated series. Are you sure? I thought I bought one. There was a miniseries after it was canceled. Oh, they did bring yeah. back a six issue miniseries. Bought that. That was really really good. Uh, and uh, apparently, one of his personal frustrations was that Static had not reached, uh, had not achieved an action figure, mm. but will be, and it was on the docket, so at least he's aware, he was aware uh, that they were going to do for Mattel's uh, Justice League Unlimited line the adult Static for the future Justice mm. League uh, uh, nearing the. Uh, didn't he, he showed up on the, the Justice League show too, didn't he? No, he was on Brave and the Bold, wasn't he? Uh, no, no, no. There's, oh, a, there's, a crossover, there's a crossover. Static Shock crosses over with Justice League. Batman Beyond? Um, no, yeah, because he, as an adult. Oh, as an he, adult, yeah. As an adult, he joins the future Justice League. That's right. Um, but there is, but I think it crossed over with an episode of. Justice League of, Unlimited? Of was he, yeah, because he was with. Uh, I think he maybe he's in a crowd scene the, or something. The Hawk guy's son or whatever. Uh, yeah, the What's Hawkman, John Hawk, Stewart's son, Hawkgirl, and John Stewart's son. Uh, yeah, they were in a little Warhawk. Justice League. Yeah, Warhawk. Yeah. And well, that's the future one that appears in Batman Beyond. And then there's an episode. I think. I think you, what it is is that it crosses over with Static Shock and Batman Beyond crossover. I could because I never watched Static Shock, so I, I must have saw it on Justice League. 
because I well, and did I didn't watch, watch Batman, Batman. No, Batman. I didn't watch a whole lot. So okay. I know I've seen it, and I was watching Justice League. Well, Unlimited. not only did he work into uh, did Wayne McDuffie work into being uh, having his characters adapted in animation, he was obviously. Uh, very crucial in it. He was a producer on the Justice League show. He was a producer on Justice League Unlimited, on Static Shock. Uh, he was a producer of Ben 10, which is my son's favorite show. Yeah, Justin likes that one. Too. And uh, we'll leave that. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> like we can't criticize that because you know what? Ben 10's a pretty good show. It is. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and had really been the driving force to do what I think is somewhat unique with, with Ben 10 as character was that every time that they would move the, the character forward in age, it became a different series. Changed it, and that was Wayne McDuffie's brainchild, and for and creating each new level. And of those it. got figures. Yeah, but they weren't his creation. Sure, I'm yeah, just saying, but, though. But he, small caveat. Yeah, there we go. That's 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 fair enough. Got to find the silver lining. Oh, thank you, Pollyanna. Um, what? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so yeah, again, not really knowing um, what happened at this point, but definitely the industry has been rocked, and we'll be feeling the loss of, of, of this guy who had. Ri- he also had a Justice League um, run on the comic a couple of years ago, too. So, um, And then didn't he bring the Milestone characters back for that or something? He did. He did. Uh, there was a plan for DC to oh. integrate Milestone further into the DC universe, and then it just didn't quite happen for whatever reason. Yeah, that, was, that was an interesting storyline because they were a little bit shady in there still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, their super them. group is called the Shadow Cabinet, right. so right there is. But they were actually trying, they were manipulating and, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Except Superman was in on it, so at least yeah. you felt like you know it was okay. I like the little scene where he's sitting down on something with, next to uh, uh, to Icon, Icon, and they're chatting. That's Out in the vacuum of space, yeah. yes. Um, so let's move to happier news. We are, we are, of course, sorry for that passing, but um, and acknowledge, and let's move on. Comics this week, um, Boom Kids, which we I think we talked about last Boom week. Boom Kids? Boom Kids. Kids Boom. are blowing Kids. up all over the place? Has changed its name to, I think, the more kid-friendly, honestly, Kaboom. Kaboom. It's f- more fun to say. Or Wait, if the kids would that, say, that's not copyrighted it's somewhere? funner to say. Wasn't there like a Kaboom there was thing a cereal. on TV? Yeah, there oh. was a Kaboom show yeah, on uh-oh. like... Uh, oh, this just it. in, Boom Kids has changed his name yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Kaboomery. Oh, we didn't quite do a t- trademark search. I forget what channel. It was like either on Nick or something, but there was yeah. a show called Kaboom. I think I'm you're right. Sure. I, and it was like a... It was a very stylized animation style. Well, no, it was a... What do they call that when it's a it's like a variety show? Right. Had different... Anthology? Anthology? Maybe. No, I mean... Well, I guess more variety. It's like you tuned in. That's where I saw Action Force Now. Do you guys remember that show? Yeah, the... The, the, kind the of toys. The toys. Yeah. Was, yes. That yes. was on Kaboom. So. Is that Action Force or Action League? Maybe. I always get, can get confused. Maybe it's Action League Now. Action League Now. I know Now was in the title yeah. and Action was in the title. I have the action figures, actually. And it had The Flesh. The Flesh. <laughs> uh, stinky Diver. Yes, weren't they all like um, like foreign knockoffs of of existing toys or something? Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty funny show. Um, I think it was. You're right. Okay, Kaboom. Anyway, they changed their name to Kaboom, and uh, you know they we talked about them last week because they lost the Pixar. Uh, all the Pixar titles, but that's they, not going to stop them, right? No, it's not. They got a they got a license that's interesting. Now, how much impact it's going to really have? No, Rick is snorting, but you're, no, you're going the Pixar. Can stuff. I guess not what it interesting is? Interesting at all? No, no, but but, but interesting. Yeah. In what in what they signed? Can I guess what it is? Guess the General Mills uh, serial characters. No. Oh, because I would read that, that weird-looking clown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Adventures of Count Chocula. Tricks Rabbit. Oh, 
the Lucky Charms guy. I think we've got something. Let's, Crisis uh, on Infinite Cereal. Uh huh. Let's uh, let's talk to you guys about that. Frankenberry. Uh, no, actually, but you're close. It is uh, the title does have something to do with food. Mmm. Let me guess. What's that? Um, Chew. What's that? Uh, no, but what's that? Veggies. Veggies movie. They Veggie did. Tales. Veggie Tales. No. Is it Veggie Tales. No, it's Peanuts. Oh, that's gross. No. So they're going to. So oh, Peanuts. They Got may it. be doing. That was a pause for edit. What? Uh, I didn't say anything. I know, but, you know, I know. Just keep I, going. I, I just, just move on. I should just on. give up. We're already explicit, aren't we? Okay. Um, yeah, what what they're doing, no one seems to know, but they did release, they just kind of released an image that said that they Snoopy will, is are going back. to be doing Peanuts. Yes, that Charlie Brown, uh, Linus, and Snoopy were all Why don't they just comics. do the next generation? Because nobody wants to see Charlie Brown as a failed 45-year-old man hosting right. a podcast <laughs> out of a comic book store. That would be about his kids. I, I don't, Working in an all-girls school. It would be about I, his I, kids. I, I uh, I'm sorry. Hello, guys? Are you back? Um, Snoopy has a litter. Blockhead. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Snoopy's Come a on, Derek. Dad. Kick the football. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That. Yeah. That's been my year. Um, so I. So that's year. A, it's only February. I know. It oh, feels like a guy. year. Um, anyway. So new content authored. We by don't know, but uh, Frank but, Miller's he, Peanuts. Oh my god. <laughs> oh wow. Someone Charlie Brown did that. with a bunch of little. No, someone did that. Yeah. You can look it up on the web. Someone has the Sin City version of Peanuts. So they've they've it's done very a pilot. disturbing. Very disturbing. <laughs> But uh, well, you know, I was thinking about this and going, aren't they still? <laughs> I a, just pictured Lucy in a cowboy hat. Aren't they essential? Oh, little Lucy Van you Pelt, sicko. all grown up. Um, <laughs> didn't they? Aren't they still like doing new holiday specials? They're still generating. I don't think they're so. still. I, I think they're just peanuts. redoing them. I think they. Might, I don't know. I don't think they've done. Although I did read somewhere movies. a long time ago that or no, Peanuts is a got a press release for it. They're releasing something on DVD. In March, I think. Like the remastering all the old. Yeah, no, I thought it was a new special though. So they might be. So I mean, people. So have, maybe they're ramping up for people a People have been doing new material. We know that um, the uh, recently several newspapers have tried to cancel the Peanuts reruns that they've been doing. You know, since Charles Schultz died, and apparently the deluge of mail. First of all, who knew people were still writing letters to newspapers? <laughs> Old yeah, people. About, about reprints of a comic. Uh, yeah, complaining that, no, you cannot, take, you cannot take peanuts away. Oh, and the voice of uh, Charlie Brown in the new cartoon is Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, fantastic. So it's going to be great. Yeah, do you do okay. a Gilbert Gottfried? No. Okay. Good grief! <laughs> uh, so, but see, wouldn't that be hilarious? That would be wrong. Very wrong. Okay. Mm. that red-haired girl. <laughs> uh, so... Um, Tell and me you wouldn't watch that Adult Swim version. I, oh, you know, awesome. I would, but that still wouldn't make it right. <laughs> I watched V. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Apparently, everything changes next episode. That's you or know this, what? This that's they keep promising that. That's his go-to like I'm a victim like thing now. Right just now. V for victim. He always just goes. I watched V, <laughs> and we all just kind of quietly it's go. Like, oh, uh, yeah. It's like my uh-huh. dad. Well, it works. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I used to fight in World War Two. Yeah. That's when you're like, oh. I still would, but it ended. Mm. Um, other books that they've announced, Roger Langridge, who did the Muppet Show books for them, and which were very good. Has that stopped? That stopped. He mm. announced a few months ago he pretty much said everything he wanted to say with the Muppets. <laughs> and so 
<laughs> Which sounds funny to I've say. Plumb the depths. <laughs> plumb the depths. Once you've taken them, there's to nothing the, left to, to expose. The, once Kermit I had his existential to, crisis, I took him to space. I took him to Pirate <laughs> Island. I took him. Yes. Uh, so, but people were loving his work, and so wondering what's he going to do next. Because he is a true cartoonist, he's writing Rock. and drawing. No, he is. Uh, a, they've <coughs> the announced General a title. Character. They've announced a title that I, again, no, no text has gone with. There's no explanations of them. So the images have been something called Snarked. I like the title. Snark, snark. Snarked. Uh, and the two characters in there look like the walrus and the carpenter from Alice in Wonderland. Okay. So I don't know if the, if it's just the like classic, like a the... ran, uh, well, kind of his own take on that. Okay. That looks kind of the way the Muppet Show comic looked. Um, <laughs> and he's going to take no, him to space. If, if you haven't really looked at his artwork, it's really good. Oh yeah, for, I mean, you know, he's in the, in the he, he's a very clever cartoonist. Uh, so I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. And then they announce the title, and again, no clue what it's about. It's called Space Warped. Hmm. They but took him to space. Big cartoony kids in, like, kind of a Star Wars parody poster, but I don't know what that's supposed to imply. But so, you know, they announced their name change and have three new titles. So to go along with they still have the classic Disney stuff, Mickey Mouse, uh, Those Dark all sound Duck. really kid-friendly and interesting. I mean, and it'll be interesting to see how Sign how my do. kids up. There you now, go. Now, earlier you, you made a joke mentioning Chew, and I just wanted to say that our... Our pal, because at Comic-Con, at least he acknowledged he'd known us. Layman. John Layman uh, is writing a, a, a Hulk, Spider-Man, Deadpool crossover in the event annuals called Identity Wars. Interesting. I, I'm just glad, because you know what? You, you go, oh, and, and he's doing really well with Chu. Chu Everything's is, better with the little Deadpool. Is, is doing really well, but, you know, it's, it is this kind of sad commentary in the industry that you really haven't made it. Until you're working for one of those two big guns, and you know you're getting to write a Spider-Man book that people want to. Yeah. Wait, did you buy. say Spider-Man, Hulk, Deadpool? Yes. yes. It's called Identity Wars. Yes. Do you think like for some reason they're all going to switch personas? Identities. That'd be kind of funny. Deadpool gets the Hulk. Deadpool, Red Pool, Spider, Green pool. Red Pool, Spider Pool, mm. or Dead Man. Wait, no, no, no wrong they company. Can't have that uh, one. Okay, uh, Mr. Lopez, the Warner lawyers are on the phone. Oh, I'll be right yes. back. Okay, uh, so that's nice. And then uh, over at DC, we are uh, Rick and I are saddened. Lawn is indifferent. Uh, that uh, it was announced today. Oh, I shouldn't say it's been. It has not. Apparently, been, a lot of people are indifferent. It has not been formally announced, but it has been leaked and out there that DC's first wave line of comics is canceled. Wait, what was that again? First wave. First yes. wave. What was it? They it's were a the big pulp surfing heroes. series. They were. They, no. Don't don't. That's not. Why, that's not why you're here. You're here because you're pretty. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I forget because didn't we? Because we talk need to have the guy that looks like John Hamm uh, making a you know raising our profile. Didn't we talk about uh, first wave a little while ago? We yes, we've already talked about it for months. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was it again? I forget. So it's the pulp heroes. Not all Street and Smith, but. But many oh, of them. the freaking uh, Doc Batman Savage to begin with. Batman, uh, Batman, Doc Savage, Justice Incorporated, Spirit, or? but the, yeah, the three titles, the Blackhawks, the three titles that exist in the first wave line so far had been the Spirit, um, Doc Savage, Doc Savage, and, and the first wave anthology, and the first wave crossover crossover book. You know, did the Spirit have a backup in it? Because Doc Savage had Justice Incorporated the Spirit for a while. Had a black and white Spirit story okay. that was more like the Eisner stuff. It was usually done by a guest artist. Okay. Um, then I and God, the 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 latest artist is just terrific. He reminds me of of uh, 
um, Manara, the the uh, oh. the guy who used to be in. Um, it would be interesting if it was Manara. Milo it's Manara. not. It's not. Are you sure? It's he just looks. He draws women just the same. You know how just, this happened, right? No, tell us. A couple podcasts ago, you two were running your mouth about how much. The writer sucked on Doc Savage. Yeah. And how excited and then you we were, were and that J.G. Jones was coming in. Exactly. But you were like, oh, they're probably, don't listen, D.C., they're probably going to cancel. If you go back and check the tapes, you guys said that. Guess what? Well, Dreams in, come true. In several articles, it turned out or that nightmares. only two people were buying <laughs> Doc Savage in a small comic shop in Santa Clara, what? California. I, I, was, I, I was buying two copies of every ep- issue myself. Uh, okay, so, so three so copies, three copies were, were being sold. sold per month of Doc Savage, and it was just us idiot hardcore Doc one, Savage One Doc fans Savage going, goes into my comic collection, the other one goes up with the, the Doc the Savage The archives, books. the time tunnel. Yeah, this was... Time I, capsule. Know, I, it, it, yes, I... I was looking forward to J.G. Jones's run. Now we're yeah. never going to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because you guys complained. Well, actually, maybe you, you should have just appreciated the good thing. Stop. Um, you touched my nipple. Uh, it stopped you. Um, so pure pleasure. Yes, that one of the rumors because nothing's been officially confirmed by DC at this point. This will be Wednesday night, which means that Thursday morning, six a.m., it'll all get confirmed. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. Um, but uh, nothing's been confirmed, but but one of the rumors now has been that it actually may be a licensing issue, that Street and Smith oh. are pulling uh, Doc Savage, and if they're going to pull... license to another... Well, they're pulling it because it's so bad. Well, is it is Warner the company, studio, that's developing the Doc Savage movie that Shane Black is supposed to uh, be working on? Oh, speaking of Which that. does remind <laughs> reminds me of a, Ooh, of a movie thing. Transition. Yes, so... Um, Actually, before we transition, um, well, although actually, since Doc Savage appeared as Doc Brass and Planetary, it does make a perfect transition to. Uh, we talked about a few weeks ago a book from Seckhart. Uh, I believe that is the correct pronunciation, though you will hear in an interview where I Sackart. pronounce it three different ways. Um, that uh, Seckhart is a company uh, dedicated to comic scholarship, and they are the ones who did the documentary interview with grant morrison talking with gods that i i reviewed in december which was great for grant morrison fans um and they're working on one with warren ellison as well uh, warren ellison no, that would be harlan ellison they're working on one on warren ellis because 2011 is going to be their year of warren ellis and to start it they're going to be releasing this book called keeping the world strange which is a collection of essays about planetary so earlier today uh, because I, I knew this would be too late uh, because uh, one of the writers of the, of, of the essays, A. David Lewis, uh, lives in Boston, and if we'd done it, if we'd patched him in here, it would have been past his, it would have been past his bedtime. Uh, but uh, why, when they offered us to interview people, as I said, oh, well, I know uh, A. David Lewis because uh, he's written a couple of articles for Fanboy Planet, uh, and he worked on the... Are they still on the site? Yes, they are. You can find them. Yes. Um, and and uh, that he'd also worked, uh, uh, done a couple of articles for um, Once Upon a Dime, which was uh, the website that I uh, edited for Mark Hamill for, to tie in with his uh, directorial, film directorial debut, debut, debut comic book, The Movie, uh, from Miramax. Uh, so... Um, Dave had had contributed to that. So I talked to him earlier this afternoon uh, and talked about his influences and how he got involved with Sekhart. So why don't we... Uh, can we listen to, to it? That? Can we listen to it now? You can't. What? What about the fans at home? 
No, they can. Okay. They're, they're listening now. Let's listen. We are recording. Uh, this is Derek McCaw with A. David Lewis, who has an essay in uh, a new collection of essays called Keeping the World Strange from Sequart. Is it Sequart Press? Uh, I think it's uh, Sequart is a, uh, it's an organization, so I think it's the Sequart uh, Research Organization, but I'd have to go check my indicia to get it just right. Well, <laughs> All the information is at sequart.org. Fantastic. Thank you. Good. That's good. Nice, nice shilling. So what, uh, Keeping the World Strange is about, uh, of course, Warren Ellis and John Cassidy's classic uh, Planetary. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of funny to say that already. It is a classic, um, but it's still you know, in the 21st century. So what uh, led you to, to uh, Sequart? Uh, I have been uh, really looking at a number of their texts and were really quite impressed by them. When, when I'm not writing comics, I'm actually studying them. I'm actually writing academic essays on them. Uh, and I found their press to be putting out just some really wonderful scholarship. Uh, Tim uh, Callahan put out an excellent book on Grant Morrison. Uh, they also had uh, very nice works on the Legion of Superheroes, on the X-Men movies and Marvel's translation of superheroes to film. So I'd been eager for some time to write with Secord. Um This opportunity finally came up. Uh, I actually pitched a whole planetary book to them. And uh, while we were talking about that for some time, I was just deluged. I, I overcommitted to a number of projects, not the least of which was the uh, Graven Images book I also have out currently. Uh, but they had also received proposals that were also eager to go with a collection like this, a collection of different viewpoints on planetary. So I was lucky enough to be able to stay around and condense my uh, book-length thoughts into essay length. Right, so I was going to say that. Yeah, so you had to winnow down. And so why, uh, what drew you to the, the focus that you did choose? Uh, of the gameplay and the man in the white suit idea? Well, Planetary, of course, had a, a strange publication schedule. I think we all know that. That uh, it slowed down and slowed down and slowed down until there were years between issues instead of months or, or pairs of months. And that gave me and I think a number of others a lot of time to think about what's, what's keeping us here, what's keeping this active in our heads, what's making this, uh, if not more than a comic book series, but at least a, uh, a series that delivers something more than just pure storytelling. And what occurred to me is that Planetary, for me, had shifted from this entertaining game of, of genre guessing, of uh, each issue being a different genre, and can you pick out the references, sort of what people do, I think also, but to a to another degree with uh, Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. You're there for the story, but you're also there to sort of uh, be as smart as the story or attempt to be as smart as the story or to be in on uh, on a joke or on the story. Just barely keep up with the story, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Planetary had shifted for me, I realized, that I was no longer genre-guessing, I was now invested in the game the characters were playing against each other. Mm -hmm. And noticing that I went from game 
uh, to story, and story went essentially from narrative to game. That got me really zoned in on this issue. Was there a way to read this as game story, as sort of a, uh, a combined idea? Where uh, And I think that this is not uh, absolutely unique to the universe of publishing. Uh, I think this is part of where a love of role-playing games comes from. I think this is part of where uh, good uh, video games may come from, ones that aren't just first-person shooters or mm-hmm. side-scrolling. Uh, but I hadn't heard many people talk about this, so that's where I decided to center my thoughts for Planetary. I thought it was a, a useful contribution of a way to look at the, the series as a whole. Yeah. Now, you bring up in your article... Uh, the early, uh, at least as far as the early issues of Planetary, because as you mentioned, it slowed down quite a bit, uh, that there's an overlap near, uh, and I hadn't thought about it again until I read your article, uh, your essay, that um, Planetary and uh, Grant Morrison's Invisibles overlap a little bit. Um, I can't remember exactly how many years they were concurrent or if it was even a full year, but um, do you talk about them? kind of communicating with each other. And I, I, think that, I think the texts do speak to each other in a very, um, I know it sounds a little new agey, but in, in a little bit of a way that it's not the authors talking to each other. I'm not necessarily okay. saying that Grant Morrison and Warren Ellis, I think Morrison and Ellis may be tapping into something that's in dialogue. I, I mean, I, I specifically look at a number of the tropes or images or ideas that they may not only have in common with each other, but may be almost responding to each other in a, in a, in a very, I don't want to say cosmic or collective unconscious way, something beyond... No, 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 I actually, I, I actually don't want to get hooked into necessarily those theories, but I do want to take it beyond just the um, uh, two competitive titles. Uh, I don't Really, I mean, the two authors may have been reading each other's stuff and appreciating each other's stuff, but I think it actually goes uh, beyond that to concept. Can you hear my daughter in the background making little sucky noises? No, I can't hear that. This is, okay, well, this is a, a seven-month-old actually critiquing me, telling me that, Dad, Dad, I don't believe you in the least. Well, I need her to learn how to read, right. and then she can critique me. Um, You'll start on the cloud, right? So we'll start with understanding comics and then move. Yeah, we'll, we'll start. I mean, hey, we might even start on Will Eisner. That's just as good a place to start. Okay. Uh, anyhow, to, to wrap up the point that she obviously objects to as a seven-month-old, uh, I do think that these series are sharing a number of um, images and sharing a number of archetypes that necessarily hadn't been explored before. So it, it's awkward to talk about an archetype that I don't think people were recognizing before these two series started using them uh, explicitly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Grant Morrison would certainly uh, be pleased with your theory, if not um, if not confirming. And, uh, so I was wondering if you had talked to either uh, Grant or, or Warren Ellis uh, about that. Have they confirmed that? Have you had any uh, encounters with them? I mean, you write about these guys. Um, yeah. Have you? I have, gotten, I have gotten to speak with Grant Morrison in the past. Uh, I haven't gotten to speak with him about specifically this theory. Uh, but I am inclined to believe that he wouldn't laugh this out of school. Uh, in fact, I have to wonder if uh, the interview that I, that I did with Grant Morrison, if he didn't plant the seed to this idea 
not not explicitly in these terms, but if he got me thinking about his works in a slightly more organic way. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of Warren Ellis, I know that the folks over at SecArt in preparing the Captured Ghosts movie have done a number of interviews with him, and they've included some of the questions that I that I asked politely if they can include. So I think uh, he's gotten a chance to respond to these general concepts uh, through a mediator. And his responses, though they didn't, uh, uh, they didn't confirm or, or, or make my theories uh, bona fide, yes, that's exactly it. You're exactly right. You got it. You figured out sanitary. Uh, he certainly uh, made it sound as though he's open to this idea of texts engaging other texts beyond the author. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, why you allude there that uh, Suckhart had done, uh, they did a Grant Morrison documentary, Talking with Gods, and now just because I, I think it's kind of uh, leaped over there. What is the name of the project they're working on with, uh, for Warren Ellis? The film is Captured Ghosts, and Captured it's part of their, yeah, it's part of their big 2011 year of Ellis push. They have three books uh, coming out on Warren Ellis, uh, and of course, Keeping the World Strange, is one of them specifically focused on planetary through a number of contributors. And then you uh, mentioned, uh, you emailed me a couple of days ago and mentioned that you'll be, it looks like you'll be leading a panel uh, for SecArt at, uh, in Boston on Warren Ellis. That's, that's right. They're definitely going to have a panel at the uh, C2E2 uh, one coming up. I, I believe that's the name of it in March. Uh, but then here in Boston at the end of uh, April, there's going to be the Boston Comic Con, and, and since I was local and eager to take part, uh, yeah, I'll be hosting that. But I don't know the rest of our uh, cast of characters just yet. I'm told there's going to be some surprise guests. All the guests are going to be surprises to me at the moment, but <laughs> I'm, sure they'll, I'm sure they'll be announced at the FecArt website long before that time comes. But there's also going to be some special surprise big marquee name guests. Uh, along with it. I also wouldn't be surprised uh, whether or not I'm going to be able to take part personally if uh, they might have panels also at the New York Comic Con and at San Diego. Okay. Well, things to look forward to this year for you know, a more scholarly approach, and that, that's really uh, good. You, and you uh, mentioned up top that you had edited a book of essays, uh, Graven Images, uh, which is uh, about religion in comics. And uh, I, I've noticed, uh, having read some of your comics work as well, that it's a theme that kind of, or, or a concern, let's call it that, a, a, a concern yeah. that, that, that threads through your work quite a bit. So what, what attracts you to that? Uh, any, any sort of uh, mythic legend, mythic writing, lore, uh, whether it's explicitly sacred or just sort of has this mystical place in a, in a culture, always fascinates me. Uh, now, before uh, I had written graphic novels like Lone and Little Fans, which is about the story of Exodus, and Some Kind of Slaughter, both of which were with artist N.P. Mann about the flood myths, uh, I'd been doing my own book, Mortal Coils, which was about a, a number of other myths, but not necessarily uh, religious myths. Uh, as I've gotten older and done uh, more, more research and, and worked more towards my, my final degree, uh, I've become less wary, less scared of uh, religious subtext, of religious ideas, and sort of made friends with it uh, to such a degree that I was hungry 
for writing on religion and comic books. There was some out there. Uh, it wasn't non-existent, but it certainly hadn't been assembled in any uh, uh, convenient or impactful way. So uh, I worked with a co-editor, Christine Hoff Kramer, and after we put together a conference, we turned it into a book for Continuum, uh, for Continuum International Press. I'm going to have to look up, look, look it up. I know you'd mentioned it, and I haven't picked it up yet, but I'm fascinated by it. And now, uh, and you alluded to all the the, the other uh, works, Mortal Coils and Lone Level Sand. So, what do you have brewing for that comics writer side of your career? <laughs> my, my, the comics writer side of my career is aching at the moment because, uh, uh, like I said, with overcommitment, getting Graven Images out the door, continuing to work with Secart. Uh, and a dissertation upon me. I'm finishing up my PhD as we, as yeah, as this seven-month-old is is attempting to crawl around my my home. Uh, there's a lot going on. I had started, but we've had to uh, ultimately suspend a uh, a baseball series. But I believe you can still find most of it online called Brave Play. I would like to return to that, uh, but I am also speaking with a few other people about a few other projects that I probably can't mention yet uh, because nothing's in stone. So uh, it's, it's not my creative side is aching while my academic side is, is thriving. Well, it's, it's hard to take that balance, and you're doing a good job, and I hope when, when the creative side uh, aches a little less and is actually doing stuff, you know, come to us and let us know. Um, so I would love to. Thank you for the time. Uh, a. David Lewis, so who has not say the upcoming, is, is an April release, uh, Keeping the World Strange from uh, Secart. So thank you very much, David. Thank you, Derek. And we're back. This is why I didn't want you listening in. Oh, sorry. I, because I, knew, I knew that after one minute, huh? you'd be bored and go get food. Well, but... It was an entertaining interview. It's okay. You've got popcorn because now it's movies. Let's talk oh, about movies. All right. Uh, so last week after we finished podcasting, uh, the ru- not the rumor. This was actual fact. Now confirmed. This that was actual fact. Iron Man three has a director. Oh really? John Favreau's back? No, John Favreau. No, I meant John Favreau's back is directing. He's directing it. Yes. Oh, okay. After they shave it. Okay. Uh, John Favreau, of course, left the Iron Man franchise Did he really in leave? a huff. A few months ago. Or did they kick him out? Well, he said he was going to direct hmm. the Magic Kingdom instead, and that's where he wanted to go. Boo. Oh, no. Because I think that the replacement choice is interesting. Uh, interesting? Shane Black, who had been the writer of the Lethal Weapon films in the 80s. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. bang. Therefore, and a film. Wait, let me, let me transition here. Oh, no. He Could po- you? Shh. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a film credited with kind of restoring Robert Downey Jr.'s cred mm. in the industry. Uh, uh, no. And uh, so uh, it makes sense that he's worked well with Robert Downey Jr. before, is used to his loose improvisational style, and he's going to direct Iron Man 3. We don't know if he's going to be scripting it, but then one of John Favreau's complaints they is they don't you, script you it. You don't really script it. You let everybody at Marvel talk about what they want to do in the next. Well, no, you let the big movies. stars rewrite the script, like Ed Norton. Yeah, that worked out really well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, I'm really the heard movie's that, good though. I haven't really heard that Chris Hemsworth or uh, they're not or really Chris that bright. Were <laughs> they're not writers. They're just here to be pretty. They're just pretty faces. They are pretty. But Downey yeah. Jr., that boy can tell a story. He can. So. Mostly because he's lived all the stories. <laughs> Definitely. But you forgot to say that Shane Black also played Hawkins in Predator. 
the greatest film of uh, all time. I am sorry that I totally forgot that it had the Lon Lopez appeal, the stamp of <laughs> approval. approval. I, I don't it's know. from the Lon Lopez movie library. Uh, which is just, just I've been one there. take. Yeah, it's actually Predator. It's, he's got it on VHS, mm-hmm. Beta, DVD, HD DVD, Blu-ray, and Viewmaster. That's weird. They made a Viewmaster of that? No, I did. <laughs> okay. Homemade Viewmaster. And to give a show. Did you have a give a show? Yeah. Yeah. Why were we entertained by that? Give a show. Because it was. That's all you had. You could project on a wall and make it big. Mm. Until it mm-hmm. got too blurry to. Are you old enough to have a give a no, show? No, I don't know what a give a show means. No. It's a I projector. Hmm. That would usually burn out after burning <laughs> you. Right, like an easy bake <laughs> oven. Yeah, had that happen too. Mm. Okay. Um, so, anyway, that's it. Um, movie rumor Kevin Costner joining the cast of Superman. Sorry. Awesome, as Lex Luthor? No. Oh, as Aquaman? Yeah, he could do Aquaman, couldn't he? That would be awesome. He did Waterworld. He yeah. did. No, you Wait, know, it's funny what? because they had the speculation, like, which part would he play? And as soon as I saw that that was the headline, is Kevin Costner trying to Superman? I was like, well, there's only one part that he's Perry White. for. No. No, he's not a Perry White. No, who is he, Rick? Pa Kent. Exactly. Oh, country farm boy guy. Still yeah. not confirmed. And but the postman. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes. No. Well, if you build it, he will come. Now, to be f- just to be fair and sit around the table, have you seen The Postman? Yeah. Okay. You know what? It didn't, How was de- it? it didn't deliver. You haven't seen The Postman? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, the, the book is much better. Of course. But I, I actually was entertained by it. What? Why are you looking at me like I'd that? have laughed at that joke if I hadn't heard it a thousand <laughs> times before every time we've mentioned The Postman. <laughs> but uh, that's what you were setting up, right? I mean, uh, No, not at oh, all. Oh, okay. Because I keep... I don't know. I come to these podcasts tired, and I keep forgetting who Lon is. <laughs> That's fatal. Just look it up on the internet. I know. It's a mistake. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so I, I think that's a really good casting choice. And then we But you know what, though? Do you think he's going to chew the scenery in that, though? Because you know, he's inevitably going to have that father-son he, talk, right? He can be directed to be reserved. I don't think mm. he's... He's not like... Yeah, I, you know, he's not a crazy... I don't think that... that being it's a, when he's in charge of the budget. Mm. I don't think crazy. that scenery chewing is really his problem. I don't think he's an overactor, even in his own movies. No, he just likes to feature himself a lot. Do you think he'll ride up movies. on a horse though and be all, "Clark, come here, son." That would be cool. Him, if he sit did. him down on I a log and, you know, Clark, when you go out in the real world. But you know what? I mean, it's funny. You got to have responsibility because I don't. Even with Jonathan, with John Schneider on Smallville, I don't really associate Pa Kent with horseback riding. No, but I associate Kevin Costner. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't go. That's not Pa Kent riding on a horse on a yeah, farm. Yeah, I just. I, it's like I, horse on the farm. I, How strange. So, Dad, what's a Tatanka? Yeah, mm. I, yeah. Go in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, it's good. I think it's a good choice. And then the the son's gonna be all father. I, what is this magical thing we call a horse? Oh, because he's, he's British. British. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Henry Cavill. And, and that was what you see last week on Entertainment Weekly. They had the f- photo of him wearing the T-shirt and a jacket over it the, with the Superman's the S symbol yeah. on the. And then all these websites are like, see Henry Cav- first picture of Henry Cavill as Superman. And I'm like, no, he's just no. Yeah. <laughs> and I blame Smallville for that. Because no, that's we, the movie. He's not going to have a suit. Oh God. <laughs> it's the new realism, uh, man. No tights, no flights. <laughs> 
You're just yeah. going to fly around in jeans. <laughs> Why do you do With Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> as, as Lex Luthor. As Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> no, he's too old. Oh, and a so. signal watch goes, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> there you go. Um, See, I set that up for you. You did. Mm-hmm. I Anyway, uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about IDW having that infestation series. Yes, we did. Okay, and you mentioned, I believe, that it was coming, spawned from uh, an IDW series called Zombies vs. Robots. They had said something to the effect of that was how the Transformers Okay, written by Chris Ryall and drawn by Ashley Wood. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes production company has bought the rights to Zombies vs. Robots, and uh, they're going to use it as the basis of at least one screenplay. Transformers 4. They're saying they're buying the right. (laughs) No, Platinum Dunes, I don't think Platinum Dunes actually produces the Transformers movies. I think they're the ones that, I think they've been limited to, Doing the horror film remakes, Friday the 13th, oh, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Um, yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Uh, so, with mixed results. Mm. Um, so, uh, yes. anyway, why did you suddenly start lisping? No, nothing. I don't know what the talking about. Are you about. allergic to cinnamon? What? Did someone just give you cinnamon? No. They went to space. Anyways, go ahead. Ro- let's talk about the robot. I don't know what's good. Who are you? Talk about the robots and the zombies. I don't have anything to say about it. I haven't read. How them. do you feel about them, though? I, well, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm I, I, I haven't even picked up infestation yet. I want to. I know the first. So you haven't got infested yet. I have not. Not that I'm going to talk. I about. I flipped through both of them. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, it's not too much. We'll talk say. about it off. It's, it's a kind of a weak premise to bring their whole world together in one event. But oh, what if the yeah. zombies I mean, actually, though, actually, are I take robots? I take that back. The Star Trek one actually looked like a pretty cool story. From, from the standpoint what do you of mean? the Borg? An, there's an away mission. They're down on a planet. They find somebody who's collapsed when they is, and McCoy says he's dead, Jim, and that's right when the zombie rises. So it was kind of but, that was, and then they are, they're backing out of town, and that's when all the zombies come in from all around. But isn't that per, isn't in the Star Trek mythos? Isn't the Borg pretty much the cyborg storyline? I mean, I saw a zombie storyline, uh, unstoppable, uncreeping or er, creeping death. I mean, well, yeah, you could you could make that case. But Derek? I don't think Counselor? I choose not to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, because I, you know, again, well, that's next generation stuff, and I honestly. Oh, you don't. You're not a. I Zorlac don't know it, it as well. I, you know, I. True. Rick would probably have you Zorlac on that. I am I'm perfectly happy it's to, uh, you know. Concede. Although first contact. We I all agree that. was I, the best next generation it, film. I right? would agree with oh, that. Yeah. Okay. I would absolutely. Agree it was kind of like their Wrath of Khan. It it was. Mm. It was. That mm-hmm. was definitely a very Wrath of Khan. Still a better movie. No, no, no I know, but that was for the, the original series. The original yeah. series is a better series. There, I said it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Ignore you. Oh, damn. <laughs> that's what everybody does. Okay. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Excluding Janeway, is that her name? Janeway. Yeah, Captain Janeway. What? That's not next gen, though. That's, that's no, no, no. I'm saying excluding wait, Janeway. Let him finish oh, okay. his thought because he might actually do. What that. Starfleet captain would you do? Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I could pick from any of the series where there are other female captains. No, no. Okay. You got to pick either. Cisco, then you have to come up with a list. Cisco, Picard, or Kirk. Uh, Kirk. 
Or Sulu. Sulu does count. Yeah, because he's a captain in the in the One undiscovered country. Yes. Well, yes. then Shelby's a captain too. And okay. So I, go, I do with go not with not Shelby. cool. Shelby. Who's Shelby? Captain Shelby. Who's Captain Shelby? Who played from next gen? I don't. Nobody remembers her, so it no, doesn't count. No. Disqualified. <laughs> Did you count Archer? Right. I, the population. Who's Archer? Spoken. That's uh, that's Scott Bakula on Enterprise. Okay. Yeah, we'll count him. Because he's sexy. And he is mentioned in the Star Trek uh, film. You know what? Listeners, if you're listening, write in and tell us which captain (coughs) from Starfleet you would do. And I'm not saying that Bill Bossard is excluded Phaser to your head. Phaser to your head. But we'd like others besides Bill to write in. Bill, you're welcome. Welcome to re- to yeah. respond to this challenge. I'm sure Lon will come up with an appropriate and, present for the winner. And females oh. are included on this, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. But everybody, they can only choose Jane they're, they're encouraged. Does everybody says Kirk. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. What's next? We will. Well, I don't really have any other movie news, but we do have some TV news, I guess. That's um, the big news. The big news is... Last v is still on the air. No, that's not news. Hey, I watch V. Do you? No. I was there back in the big one. Mm. V. V. <laughs> I was there for the first V. I was. I was. Watching I that was. Our, we all gathered around in the TV in the dorm room back when you had- The final little, battle, dude. Yeah. When somebody had a, like a 13-inch color TV and yeah. we had to go by antenna. That's how you know old school we were. Oh, yeah. You got to be the antenna, right? You were the revolution. I did. I did. Uh, well, last week after we after we finished uh, the podcast, it was announced that uh, David E. Kelly's Wonder Woman pilot had cast its Wonder Woman. Da, 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 da. That was nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Ad- let's make sure we pronounce this right. Adrienne Palicki. Ooh, sounds hot. Who was on uh, Friday Night Lights? Mm-hmm. A very athletic young actress. Oh, you know what? I've also she's also appeared as a guest on Criminal Minds. Okay, I don't uh, watch that show, but you are obsessed with that show, are you? A not? little bit. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit, yeah. She yeah. was on actually a couple, maybe about a month ago. Uh-huh, she uh-huh. played a kind of, they were doing like a natural born killers kind of uh-huh. take on it. And she was the like the runaway who was had been abused by her father and, okay. and uh, you know, we're going around killing people or whatever. So, so. did you find her acting? Uh... Here's the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I found her acting laughable. However, it was a pretty terribly written episode of the show. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how she will act with good writing. Okay. Um, because it was all just, you know, her supposedly being crazy, and then she tracks down her abusive father, and she does the whole, oh, do you like me now, Daddy? How am I, Daddy? You know, that kind of revenge. So anyway. Friday night for you. Yeah. Um, That's more of a Saturday afternoon. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better to do that in daylight. It's mm. less scary. Well, no, because then you can get two in one day. But anyways, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, the look kind of took me, took me off a little bit. Um, but she definitely is physical, and she has a physique. You know, she could pull off an Amazon she's look, got, and you know, the face looked like it could pose for. A, no, she's a beautiful girl. Yeah. Beautiful girl. A little young woman. I mean, yeah. she's. She's in her twenties, right? You know, she's not Wonder Girl; she's Wonder Woman. There you go. Sure, sure. Um, I, you know, so again, it's one of the. It, it's a pilot that I, I, I that. But doesn't David e. Kellen, Kelly? Doesn't he have pretty heavy dial? I mean, like lots of dialogue. Yeah, and, he is a good dialogue so writer. So she's and he's quirky. She's gonna have to be able to pull it off. If not, it's gonna sink faster than the Bionic Woman. 
which lasted several seasons. Yeah. Oh, I'm no, sorry, the remake. He meant the remake. Oh, the remake. Yeah. I'm sorry. Which was horrific. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I may say, speaking of horrible. I had banished it from my mind. I rarely do this, but um, I watched a movie this week, so you wouldn't have to. Mm. Actually, I watched two movies this week, so you wouldn't have to. Ooh. Me or the uh, listeners? The listeners okay. and, and you. And um, me. You know, I saw Justin Bieber, Never Say Never. Oh, but, yes. Uh, but that's Baby. okay. That's, You're wearing your hair differently, don't you? I, well, no, he cut his hair yesterday. Oh. So he I did? And, and worse. And I got a press release. I have to go back to movies that said um, there's going to be a special 28 minutes edited back in for one week only of it at certain theaters. So um, tickets that's, are on sale now. That's just the haircut video? I, I think that's probably what it is. Him oh, going, I'm going, oh, I got my hair. It's like screaming uh, girls. But I'm not going to, you know what? Look, that's critic proof. It's there. It, it's fine. I resented paying money for the 3D portion, but as a concert film, as a documentary about the rise of a of a young pop star, kind of actually interesting. But the movie that I watched on DVD, that, so that no one else would have to, and and you'll understand why I told the company, yeah, I loved it. A movie called Glorious 39. It's a World War II uh, suspense film about uh, set taking place in England in 1939. As they're as they've just finished with uh, Chamberlain's policy of appeasement, and should they, you know, there's a faction wanting to get Winston Churchill back in, uh, or uh, not back in, I guess, well, in to being prime minister, and are we going to go to war with Germany? And there's right. people that still want to appease, and this actress discovers that her that there's the this conspiracy to keep the appeasement going. And why why when they sent me an email saying, would you like to look at this movie? It's like it had Christopher Lee. Okay. He's good. Mm-hmm. David Tennant. We like him. Yeah. Wow. Uh, an actress named R- Romola Garai. She's sounds delicious. Uh, she's a pretty good actor. I've seen her in a couple things. She's a she's a good actress. Um, and uh, I mentioned David Tennant and uh, Bill Nighy, the science guy. No, no. Uh, science guy. He Bill, Bill Nighy is an actor I absolutely love. So I blew that joke. You did. I should have said the science guy. He. That would have been funny. I'm why sorry. Why I'll be quiet. A, why don't you say it a few more times and see if maybe someone out there finds you tickling? No, I don't do it for them. Did someone say tickling? <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so this movie was so unsuspenseful and to the point that I'm sitting alone watching it and I started laughing out loud every time Bill Nighy came walking in because it was like... Have you ever seen Eddie Izzard's description of how the Brit- what Star Wars would be like if the British had made it? Oh yeah, and yeah, it's just like you know, go. Oh, Doc, I'm sorry. I, I'm just rearranging these matches. Bill Nighy's character was like that. Every time something suspenseful would happen, he would come in and slow the action down just in case. <laughs> and I and I kind of started thinking he might have realized that's what was happening with his character and started trying to be funny with it. <laughs> and so, but I kind of went. I, I and I really did. I rarely watched a movie where I kind of went up and went, wow. That's two hours. I'm never gonna get back. That was a mistake. It was actually 131 minutes, mm. and mm. Um, oh, it was painful. darn those Brits with characters constantly re-explaining because a new character had come in. <laughs> what had gone before? <laughs> because the new character had been watching the movie. There's so actually far. only about 10 minutes of plot, but they but they have to tell it five it six times. Pl- it couldn't have been shot for TV where they're gonna cut commercials. No, in and, no, no. no. <laughs> Maybe. No, it's no, for the BBC. No. The BBC doesn't have commercials. No, so, um, 
I feel bad to say say because I don't like to rip, but that movie really, I think because of the David Tennant, there are there are Doctor Who fans out there that are going to go. David Tennant's in More this film of David Tennant, and he's in it for three minutes. Oh no! And so, I so mean, YouTube it. Yeah, he's not top billing, but he is there on that DVD cover. Like, oh, he's oh, really digging really this. It's like, no. Is he in a nice no, suit with white no, shoes? No, it's a total bait and switch. And then they just have Billy Piper's photo in there. She's not even in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that was. He's got an old screwdriver uh, in his hand. Yeah. 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 And then um, we did, in the Doctor Who universe, there was sad news this week that uh, Nicholas, that. Nicholas Courtney, the Brigadier Alistair Stewart, right? Was the Brigadier. Name of the Brigadier. That's why I just remember uh, Tom Baker going Brigadier. Um, that uh, he passed away. Now he had a good, good long run. The yes. guy was in his eighties. So, uh, and he had a, I guess he had appeared on the Sarah Jane Adventures. He was in a, at least a couple of episodes. What exactly yeah. is a brigadier? Sailor? It's like no, a, it's a military it's rank. A sergeant major, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, but. For Lon and those puzzled by this, he'd been a long-running character in Doctor Who when the budget was cut for the BBC and Doctor Who adventures all took place on Earth, and, and he was part of the group called... Unit. Oh, Lon's going to... Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Unit. What's wrong with that? Nothing. United Just a group, Nation, group of United men. Nations. Hanging out together. Mm-hmm. Uh, something. Yes. Sharing that? stories. Sharing adventures. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Okay. Uh, so we acknowledge his passing. And now let us get to the best release of the week. Absolutely. Angry All Birds? Star Superman. Oh. <laughs> All Star Superman. Uh, All Star Superman. 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 Uh, he's Superman, a lawyer. get in here. He's a lawyer. Did you watch the Russell Brand Saturday Night Live with the, with the, and he wasn't in it, the commercial for the law firm for Spider-Man? Uh, oh, Goblin and Green. Yeah, um, yeah. Attorneys at law. No. So, if that. you'd been injured, they were they were a law firm devoted entirely to people who had been injured at a performance of Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. Nice. nice. <laughs> so, and it was very wealthy people. And the law, the law firm was Goblin and Green. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and every now and then, Fred Armisen would swing by in a three-piece suit. Then it was a Spider-Man design. I totally want that suit. Mm. Um, so very funny. But uh, All Star Superman. So the. Uh, latest DC Universe animated film. The best they've ever done. Well, first of all, adapted from, as I try to describe to my friend Michael, the one of the best-loved graphic novels of the last, at least five years. An iconic graphic novel. I mean, nothing. Can you call it iconic? I mean, how old is it really? It's like two years old, three years old? But, you know, but you can't, o- you, I guess you can't overstate. Iconic. You can't overstate how cool that graphic novel was. Have you read Do, it, Lon? I need to read it, but it's has it been collected yes. 1 through 12? One through six, and then seven through twelve. Okay. Yeah. So they're in two Does volumes. someone have it? They can loan me. I have it at home. Okay. You can loan it to you. You got homework. Yeah. Yes. So um, it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, I I went into this thinking it's it's one of my favorite graphic novels, and I'm hoping it's going to be passable as a video. And I'll, uh, expectations I, exceeded. I want, one of the things that well, from watching some of the like trailers they had released ahead of time, like when they did a preview. On uh, what was the last, uh, the last DC universe? Was it, uh, dark, uh, was it uh, Apocalypse? Maybe, uh, or, or I might be thinking. Superman I might Apocalypse? be thinking of the short of the shorts, the one with Kat, Shazam, uh, the Return of Black Adam. I think they had uh, a, a bit of All Star Superman that? for that. Okay. And I thought eh, it's okay, but nothing really stands out. And then, but watching the the film, I, I was struck from the very beginning. It's like they cleaned something up because it looks. Like Frank Quitely's art, 
which it, I didn't expect it to. Every bit of style that quietly put into that that graphic novel is repeated mm-hmm. in the in the way the robots are done, in the way the suits are done, in the way the the effects of uh, the radiation. The the only thing that was a real divergence was uh, Quintium. Quint, the, Quint, yeah. His his suit is much cooler in the graphic novel than they had him looking in. But they also the toned thing. him down as a they character. They toned him down quite a bit. You He's know, not so, as central. But the cuts that they made were very logical. Surgical and and just the right cuts. Yeah. And, and what it does. Uh, great uh, adaptation by Dwayne McDuffie. I mean, you just have to. I can't sell short. How he's written several, of the, he had written several of those DC direct DC Universe cartoons, and this was just this was a perfect adaptation. I couldn't, considering the time constraints they have, the cost, the you it's couldn't se- ask for a better. It's seventy four minutes of solid story. I mean, it felt like at the end of it, it felt like this is. I didn't think. Oh, usually you get through those, you go. Oh, it felt short. Oh, that's right. It's only six, seventy minutes or whatever. This one felt like a full blown movie. There was so much happening, and the in it. flow was so good. Yeah, I mean, it just it just goes from story to story. Uh, you know, How do you now? Both you two are pretty fond and familiar with the graphic novel, right? Yes. Yeah. How do you think this will play to somebody with no knowledge of it? That's the beauty of it: is that it will play to anyone. I think the question they'll ask is, "Why is it called All Star Superman?" And that and is, that's the that only is probably si- the worst part. And that know? is the silliest part about it because I mean, it was of an abortive line called All Star. Well, it was because they wanted the All Star characters done by the All Star writers and the All Star artists. Right, right, and so that means nothing to the person who picks it nothing up. Nothing at all. So they could have just called it Superman. Yeah. But um, I think everything about it is self-explanatory because. It, like from the very beginning, and, and people talk about that. The, the how did Grant Morrison phrase that? Doomed planet. Oh, it's, it's last wonderful. hope. I mean, it's it's all and these. Then, yeah, yeah. He tells the origin in, in one page, four panels, and it's perfect. Everything you need to know about Superman is there, and it's what everybody thinks they know about Superman it's anyway. Doomed planet, desperate scientists, last hope, hope kindly couple, kindly couple. That's it. So, I was thinking about getting that as a tattoo, dude. Wow, poor Rick. You know what? That's not a bad idea. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Says the guy with Daredevil on his. You, you guys are gonna be like that dude from the Ferelli mother, Ferelli Brothers movie last night. What was his name? Futley or whatever. Uh, Richard Jenkins. Oh yeah, Coakley. Coakley, thank Coakley. you. Um, but uh, it, I, I, I wondered about that too. I was gonna show. I, I, I thought, well, it's PG thirteen, but my son could watch it. And then there were a couple of things that were a little too violent that i was a little yeah when, little worried uh, about luther but against uh the uh parasite against the parasite that was yeah, pretty bad pretty it's not as bad as it is in the graphic novel though no that's true um, um so uh i think that it's, it's again it's everything people think they know about superman is acknowledged yeah and then mo- moved beyond and played with and tantalized it, here's, here's, well, the, the, here's thing, the, the deal on it with with my take on it is we talked about there. There are a couple storylines from the graphic novel that are cut. They're excised perfectly. They're the right things to have cut out. The stories they cut out were great, great stories, sub stories. So in the, I would still arc. recommend people to go back and get the graphic novels. But I would say it wouldn't hurt you at all to watch the movie first, mm. right, and then read the graphic novels. And mm. in fact, I think there's because well, there was an acknowledgement of one tacitly by bringing in Ma Kent. Right and you know acknowledging again what people think. Well, and it's not a surprise because you know that that Pa Kent is dead in continuity. <gasps> right. What? Yes, yeah. and on Smallville too. Um, and really, I was dreading it. I was dreading it in All Stars Superman because that's always the issue 
that gets me. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is coming. It's going to, oh, oh, he skipped over it. Thank you, Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But the point is, Morrison in the graphic novel can be a little bit dense. Especially mm-hmm. the beginning, the part the part with the the solar scientists and Luther rec- remote controlling right. that thing, yeah, which is actually made a better lot more sense in it, the movie. It made a lot more sense in the film. And so, if you watch the movie, it'll ease you into the graphic novel. The graphic novel is markedly richer, and you'll enjoy it more because you won't. You'll have a guide, and there's plenty of stuff to and, discover. And, in and it. what the graphic novel and the film both do is elevates Superman to myth. Without being that ridiculously boring Christ figure that he is in Superman Returns, wow. and I need to watch this. Just to, just to uh, to um, I'm trying to get his name. Uh, the uh, what's his name? The guy, the 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 screenwriter. It's Dwayne McDuffie. 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 Duffie, McDuffie. To his credit, I think wrote a better ending to the movie than the graphic novel. Don't, I, I don't would, spoil it. I would. I would agree. I, I'm not going to spoil it. But you know what? It, because one of the but thi- it doesn't. It doesn't ruin the ending of the graphic but novel. But the, kind of the, the same. difference is that the graphic novel was a tie-in to DC One Million. Whether you know you either you knew it or not, whether yeah. you had read that or not, that's what. But that last the last panel of the graphic novel is kind of opaque if you don't yes. get it. But absolutely, I think McDuffie made it, made it really clear. And I, I'm waiting to hear back. I may have an interview with the guy who, who played the parasite in that because uh, he is someone that I've – it turned out as I was watching going, oh, uh, somebody that I've known for, oh, shoot, since I was in high school. So kind of, oh. Um, it How was, was it? Great voice, great oh. voice work. Great voice oh, yeah. work throughout there. Yeah. And character, actors that I didn't think were going to be – like James Denton, the guy from Desperate Housewives. Is oh, Superman. yeah, I love him. Love them. Um, well, there are clearly a subject. Mike Delfino. Yep. Okay. Um, let him watch Desperate Housewives. Kidding. You looked at me like he doesn't know. And I did think that because mm-hmm. you had that tone. Who is who, went, who, <laughs> whose girlfriend in the series? Terry is Hatcher, Lois Lane. Tied back. Oh, there we go. Yes, but uh, so he's here played by Christina Hendricks. Yes, from well Mad done. Men. And well done. I did, I wasn't sold on her voice, and then she was great. And then um, Anthony Lapaglia is Lex Luthor. And I thought that um, is he on one? Is not not Criminal Minds? He's on one of those cop shows, though. Um, like oh, Cold uh, Case? No, not Cold Case. He without a trace. Without a trace. Yeah. Is that him? Yeah. Anthony Lapaglia. Yes. Yes. Isn't he Australian though? Or yes. Something? Oh, okay. But he was in uh, you know years ago, in so I married an axe murder. Maybe you remember him from that. Uh, anyway, but we both watched it on Blu-ray, right? Yes. And no, and I'm sorry, I didn't get to see it on Blu-ray because my Blu-ray isn't working yet. Oh, okay. I mean. That my disc isn't working, but beautiful, absolutely beautiful, wonderfully animated. The Clark Kent animations are just spot on, and, and capturing the body language that Frank quietly put in between Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah, it yeah, was just amazing, amazing, mm. amazing. So I want to see it. Who will give me a copy? I'll I, loan you mine when I've watched it and watched all the uh, extra stuff. Okay, that's the a date. Ex- the, the extras, yeah. The the promise of the extras is just. They've got the first Great. issue of All Star Superman graphic as novel, a digital comic. as a digital copy in there, so you can go through and and, and really admire how frame for frame that that opens. Actually, have is. the first cop, the first issue. Yeah, well, I think it's on the shelf. But didn't they reprint it for a dollar over here? Oh, probably. Um, Maybe may not be up there right now. Yeah, there's a lot. Okay, but uh, I know that it's worth getting into, and I, and I think there's the one through six and seven through twelve are in paperback now. 
And I was thinking I was going to save it for the there's an absolute edition coming, but then I think for me, just in my storage space, absolutes are just that's a dream that I will not achieve. So I, mm. I'm but I do want to have bound copies to show my kid when he's older. Yeah. And they, this is what Superman is. And then he goes, I hate your comics, Dad. I'm out of here. He's not going to say that. I'm going to say, really? When you were six, I went and saw Justin Bieber for you. He's going to be all, forget you, Dad. I'm oh. going out with Susie. But a good point is that. Who's Susie? Susie the floozy. I'm out of here. I know I'm going to end up picking up another copy of this to loan out to people to say, you have not you have not experienced a good superhero movie. In you are not this. ready. No, you're ready. Oh, no. But it's got to be this that's good. That's the taunt. Yeah. It's got to be this good. Yeah, so absolutely, absolutely. Well, on that note, I think it's time for us to break for dinner. Yeah, I got a date with Susie the Floozy, too. Fantastic. Uh, So if you have any questions, comments, commentary, compliments, you wish to date Lon, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. No, they're only They want to date you. They're floozy. Editor at fanboyplanet.com or sandpaper at fanboyplanet.com. I am Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm all-star Lon Lopez. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, <laughs> reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good. And see. Well, that was good. Now I can go back to work. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Lukeski at www.lukeski.com.